0: Welcome to The Daily Horror Habit, the horror movie review podcast for horror fans and fanatics alike. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, delivering horror movie reviews and discussions of both classic and current films every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for your twisted pleasure. Please be aware that episodes may include spoilers, and as always, I hope you enjoy. I have to give credit to any slasher that goes out of its way to be more than the sum of its gory parts. A touch of originality or unique perspective goes a long way in making the case for a slasher being justified in standing amongst the throngs of features dedicating their existence as a love letter to 80s practical work. And in this regard, Skull the Mask is mostly successful. Streaming exclusively on Shudder, the writer and director duo Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman's Skull the Mask is a splatter gore slasher blended with the police procedural giving it a more varied identity than you might expect. A bloody race against time between police detective Obadiah, played by Natalie Rodriguez, and ex-gorilla fighter Manco, played by Wilton Andrade, as they attempt to track down a supernatural mask that has been infused with the spirit on Hanaga, an ancient executioner of the god Tahanwati Supe. Those who wear the mask, which is, you guessed it, a gnarly skull, are compelled to hunt down sacrifices which will help to resurrect this powerful god and bring about the end of the world. It's very chill stuff. The choice to wear the skull is often one forced upon the wearer, as the skull grows long spider-like appendages, letting it scurry around until it finds its next host. In this case, the skull chooses a brutish police officer played by Brazilian wrestling champion Rurik Jr., who's basically the perfect killing machine vessel. What ensues is a race against stopping this hulking monster from ravaging the streets of Sao Paulo before it's able to resurrect its master. From the opening moments, Skull the Mask's attention to stylistic world and lore-building reaffirms the creative duo's clear slasher vision. The film opens with a flashback to the 1940s Amazon rainforest, as a masked figure attempts to interrupt a Nazi ritual ceremony that involves the mask. This is the film's first taste of its midnight grindhouse aesthetic and sensibility is really made clear. In other words, it features excessive bloodshed, brutality, and some truly zany characters. It features excessive bloodshed and brutality. In between scenes of carnage that display the film's fantastic and excessively wet practical work, which I'll detail in a moment, the film jumps between the police's investigation into the trail of bodies that lie in the skull's wake, as well as our other protagonist Manco's history and duty in ensuring he recovers the mask. Ultimately, the lore behind the mask far outweighs the sub-narratives of the film's character's pasts or the CEO of a Chinese conglomerate attempting to recover the mask. But even still, all of these narrative threads provide far more structure that keeps Skull the Mask on the tracks long enough to guide itself from each gory encounter to the next. This attention to detail also allows the film's central antagonist, who we'll call the Skull, from ever feeling like another generic masked killer, both in look and in backstory. And if I'm being honest, he's fitting for cult slasher icon status, if at the very least a gruesome sequel or two a slasher icon steeped in ancient mysticism with retractable intestines that he uses to throw his machete around at people before yanking it back into his hand, as well as choking the life from victims with, well, his own intestines. It's wonderfully excessive stuff and I haven't even gotten to the practical gore bits yet. The benefit of having a Brazilian wrestling star don the skull is not lost on the creative team, as the skull uses all manner of spin and toss wrestling moves that give him a bit more edge than just being another blade and blunt swinging madman. Though, he certainly has no qualms about splitting and severing appendages, or slicing faces in half to coat entire scenes in arterial spray. The grindhouse zaniness of characters or premises also pops up in the violence exactly as it should. Early on in the film, someone deemed unworthy attempts to wear the skull, and as a result, their head subsequently explodes into a thousand gory pieces. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform, or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. Then there's the skull's propensity for cutting into people's chest cavities and removing their hearts with his bare hands. He also kills a bunch of ravers at a dance party, which he casually strolls into, covered in blood. What I'm getting at is, the skull's body count is high and his means of sacrificing those who get in his way is capital E excessive. And about halfway through the film, there's a pretty rad duel that sees the skull facing off with a local padre who uses a sword that has a hilt made from Jesus' hand. It's all wonderfully silly, but thoughtfully executed on. This is one of the more overtly grindhouse moments of the film as the two's reflections plays off against an acid-washed background that truly highlights the midnight slasher insanity that this movie was bred for. Now, in between the bloodshed, there are one or two very trippy, neon-drenched, otherworldly scenes that depict this ancient god and his temple as it levitates within a cosmos of, well, blood. Though this only occurs in two scenes, which is a shame given the very trippy visuals help to get across the supernatural mysticism that the film's killer is tied to. We even get a body horror moment where a character awakens the skull and finds themselves submerged in a pool of blood while something explodes from their chest. It's all, how'd you say, disturbingly wonderful, and yet the film never capitalizes on this more than once early on. For as much as the slasher fandom enjoys a lot of what Skull the Mask offers, in delivering its 80s love letter to practical work, the shortcomings of the film are still noticeable. Most notably, the side plots that actually bring up some interesting topics such as modern-day conglomerates replacing traditional settlers, still content with pillaging natives' goods and artifacts for themselves, or... Two characters destined to protect society from the mask never are really as compelling as we're led to believe they should be. And, other than the skull, none of the characters are all that memorable or truly zany enough for the film's exploitation grindhouse attitude and sensibilities. Their dialogue and actions are never quite silly enough, only occasionally so, which makes some moments feel accidental rather than purposefully constructed with laughs in mind. For instance, one character is shot and plugs his bullet wound with a tampon he steals from a passerby. And while this logical fallacy of why he's able to live for the next 20 minutes of the movie, and while this logical fallacy of why he's able to live for the next 20 minutes without bleeding out, would have been acceptable had the film purposefully subverted logic throughout the course of its runtime, rather than just having some serious moments mixed with one or two farcical ones. The film also loses significant steam just before its conclusion, which results in the ending having the weakest fight scene of the film. You'd think when our hero breaks out a flamethrower to torch the skull, we'd get one of the most memorable moments of the film, but alas, here, it's more of a letdown than a satisfying moment. Despite the film's narrative and tonal shortcomings, Skull the Mask delivers the bloody goods as far as its slasher roots are concerned. Great practical work and a creative killer with equally creative kills makes this a slasher perfect for a midnight showing with the group, so be sure to check it out while it's streaming on Shudder. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, your source for horror reviews and discussions with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily horror Habit and on Twitter at Daily DailyHorrorPod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.